Well, today is a unique Sunday, if you haven't been able to tell already. It is uh, Labor Day weekend, so lots of people traveling, kind of getting their last little bit of summer in, and uh, the next week we'll be back with a big kickoff, and so uh, soaking it up, hopefully today and tomorrow, hopefully you get tomorrow off and you can soak up long weekend tomorrow, and then the other thing that's unique about today is that today is Boston move-in day, which is September 1st, and so the stats are really staggering that like between 80 and 90 percent of Boston leases turnover in one day and that day is today and so we have lots of friends moving today and a lot of you are going to go help friends move today and so just imagine all the craziness that that brings that means that uh 20 something year olds driving box trucks for the first time are stuck currently right now under Sturrow drive uh, that also means that people are double parked in your neighborhoods and uh and parents are dropping off students and and uh, young professionals and so they're double parked and it's just it's wild and then the pickers are out in full force looting all the stuff that's been left over on the side of the roads that can't fit into box trucks. And so uh, it's a wild, wild weekend for sure. Uh, but hey, if you are new to Boston, uh, welcome first of all. And then secondly, anything that we can do to help you, uh, we would be happy to be able to help you however we can. And so use the comment section on your connection card. If it's just something we can pray for, we'll be happy to pray. If it's something specifically, help me find this or hey, I, I need help. I'm, I'm here by myself and I just bought a sofa on Craigslist and I need help. Whatever we can do, we would be happy uh, to help. Also, in the back, our housewarming gift for you is a mug. And so uh, take a mug, and uh, you can put your ramen in that or whatever you want to do. Uh, many of you are not new to Boston. However, you are not originally from Boston. You've been here for some time maybe, but you're not originally from Boston. And I have a sermon for you today and for those who are new today and for those of us really who have been here for a long time in Boston. I'm calling today's sermon home. Say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Home. The idea today is to make this place your home. Now, I know that hometown pride runs really deep, and so when you hear me say, make this place your home, some of you maybe start to feel it deep in your gut, like this uncomfortable, I don't know if I like that, kind of, pastor, have you seen the stickers on my car, right? Uh, Texas forever, right? Or New Orleans, who dat? Puerto Rico pride, uh, roll tide, the Ohio state. Georgia Peach, whatever it is, that you, you, everybody's got their kind of their hometown pride, and wherever you're from, I get it, I get it, totally understand, but the call this morning is to make Boston home. Now, before you charge the front and take me out, because I know how much you love your hometown, and if mama were here, I know she would also come with you and, and take me out. How dare you call Boston home, right? Before you and mama charge the stage, uh, let me assure you uh, that making Boston home is biblical and it's best. Often what I'm trying to tell you is it's got to be biblical and it's got to be God's best for you. And so whether you're here for a season of life or you're here for a lifetime, this is biblical and this is best. And I'll say this, if you're upset, blame it on Jesus. Don't be mad at me because this is from the scripture. So uh, let me show you this uh, in the uh, example in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter uh, 2. And so if you have a Bible, you want to flip on over to Mark chapter 2, um, that would be great. I will put it on the screen for you. 
We also have the Bible on our church app, so go to your app store, type in Charles River Church, we're there, and then also Bibles around the room. I joke about the mug, but really the best housewarming gift we could give you is a Bible, and so if you don't have a Bible in your new apartment or your dorm room uh, or your condo, uh, grab one of those Bibles around the room and uh, bring it and put it on your, uh, your coffee table or uh, if you have not purchased that on Craigslist yet, beside your bed, all right? Mark chapter 2. Now, Mark chapter 1 lays the foundation for the ministry uh, of Jesus. He's baptized, and then he he prays and he fasts for 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by uh, Satan and then he calls his first disciples uh, building kind of this band of brothers around him and so Mark chapter 1 is a, a very foundational chapter and then in Mark chapter 2 verse 1 check it out let's let's read this it says and when he returned to Capernaum after some days it was reported that he was at home it was reported that Jesus was at what at, at home now, I remember when I first read this, I noticed home, and I thought, wait a second, where is Jesus' home? Jesus is eternal and from heaven, ultimately, and then he's, he's born in Bethlehem, and then uh, he lived there for upwards of two years, and then uh, Herod was threatened by this newborn king, and so uh, he had it ordered that all the, the children two years and under would be massacred so that he could take out this Jesus wherever he was, and so they were forced to flee to Egypt, and they hung out in Egypt for a while, and then the family ultimately got a dream from God that Herod was, was done and, and dead, and so they moved back from Egypt now to, to Nazareth, where Mary and Joseph were from, and so You've got, you've got Bethlehem and Egypt and, 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 and Nazareth. So where's the allegiance? Is it Nazareth State University, the Nazareth State University? Is it Egypt forever? Is it Bethlehem pride? Well, here in Mark chapter 2, we see another town in the mix. He's living in the town of Capernaum on the very north side of the Sea of Galilee. It's a fishing town. It's a town where he calls his 12 disciples. And we read here that this place is called home. Now, we don't just take Bible verses in isolation. So also in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, it says of Capernaum, it says, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And so if my mom were Mary, I mean, I know my mom pretty well. If my mom were Mary, she'd be all, excuse me, Jesus. I'm hearing that Capernaum is home. Home is where mama is, son. That's how, that's how my mom w would be, right? Home is where mama And what is it for you? Where, where is home? Fill in the blank. Home is where blank. Fill it in for you. You, you probably have your own idea. Home is where blank. It might be home is where mom is. It might be home is where family is. Home is where I grew up. I see college students struggle in this city oftentimes because home is wherever my girlfriend is, wherever my boyfriend is, and they cannot seem to embrace and enjoy their time at school because they are obsessed with wherever the other person is. Their mind is there always, and they have to get there always. I see young marriages really struggle because they cannot make home where we are right now because one is obsessed with home being where family is and when you get married you're called to leave and cleave and and build a, a new home right a new family that they're forming i see young professionals struggle in this city because they're making money now for the first time in their lives and so they're able to travel all over the place every weekend here and there and everywhere or they they constantly are going back to be with family and they fail to develop home here. I see solid 
Christians struggle in this city because home is my church family before I got to Boston. And everything is constantly compared to their previous church. And, and there's comparison rather than embracing the unique challenges to faith that we find in this very challenging, distinct city. And trying to build here what you had there can be a good thing rather than comparison. I've seen very, very driven people. Boston is full of highly successful, driven people in, in education and in, in the career world and startups. And for them, oftentimes, home is wherever I'm heading. Home is that destination, that thing that I'm working for. Home is when I finish that program and I get there. Home is when I get that dream job in New York City. That'll be home. Home is when I finish that degree. Home is when I finish the fellowship and all this craziness is out of here and I'm out of this crazy city. It's great to know where you're going. You should know where you're going. If you know me, I'm constantly saying find a goal and go after it. If you aim at nothing, you hit nothing every time. But if you aim at something, you might hit. It's great to know where you're going, but you also have to be fully wherever you are. And as you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, he is fully wherever he is at that exact moment. Woman at the well, he is fully there. He's going to help and heal Jairus' daughter and some other woman comes up and touches him and asks for healing and he's going, he's on a mission, he's going somewhere but he's focused right now in this moment to heal this woman. Wherever Jesus is, he is fully wherever he is in that moment. And now he is fully present in Capernaum. It wasn't home per se in terms of where he grew up or where Mary was, or where his siblings were, but he made Capernaum home. Because here's the real truth. Let me fill in that blank for you. Home is where you make it. Home is where you make it. How does the saying go? Home is where the, home is where the heart is, right? Boston is this incredibly transient city, and we joke about it uh, all the time with the leaders of this church that, man, if people came who have come to our church and called this their, their church family and they stayed, we would literally have hundreds of more people in our church than we do right now. And we used to fight that for the longest time, like, no, no, until we realized, oh, maybe this is the unique commission that God has given us is to train people and, and, and help people to learn to live missionally in a challenging city and, and then send them out. I mean, literally, for the past three weeks, every single Sunday, we have said bye to somebody who's been with us for years. Three weeks ago, a guy named Matt. Last week, Sarah Liz. This week, Paul. And as one of eight people who have been here from the very beginning, my wife and I and our two oldest, Jua and Regina, and their two oldest, I'm telling you that the steady stream of goodbyes is unbelievably heavy and unbelievably challenging. However, we are profoundly grateful and constantly blown away by the amazing people that God sends our way who say, I don't know how long I'm going to be in Boston. I don't know if this is like a lifelong commission or just a, a, a few years. But while I'm here, I'm fully here. You know who you are, and we are deeply grateful for you. And if home is where the heart is, these are the people who have developed a heart for this city, the most unreached metropolitan area in our nation. And they say, I'm going to make it home, and I'm going to make an impact while I'm here, even if it's just for a season. Blown away by you guys. Grateful for you guys. The call for all of us this morning is make Boston home. 
Now, for the remainder of our time together, what I want to do is I want to show you how to make Boston home, how to make this place a home. And, and to do this, we're going to go to one more place in the scriptures, Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. If you have a Bible and you want to flip left now, uh, Jeremiah chapter uh, 29, we're going to look at 4 through 7. Now, while you're turning there to Jeremiah 29, I want to give you some, some context. The Jewish people, the people of Israel, have come under the reign of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Guy is crazy, and he's wicked, he's awful, and he has taken over Jerusalem, and now he has destroyed Jerusalem, and he has exiled God's people out of Jerusalem to his big home city, Babylon. As you can imagine, all the people can think about is getting the heck out of here. All they can think about is getting back home, but God's not going to let them think that way. In Jeremiah 29 here. Let's read it. Jeremiah chapter 29, picking up in verse 4. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give, them, and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. It's an amazing passage and so so at the heart of who we are as a church family. Again, Nebuchadnezzar has been awful. And all the people can think about is we, we have got to get out of here. We got to get back home. God says, nope, you're not going to think like that while you're here. Instead, what does he say? He says, build houses, plant gardens, get married, have kids. And you're going to stay long enough to see your kids get married and have kids. You will multiply. That was our big word last week. And you will while you're here, seek the welfare of the city. Wherever you're at, you are to bring the welfare that God has put in your heart to wherever you are at now. God is saying, settle in, people. It's time to settle in and do these things. Verse 7, he says, And in so doing, you will find your welfare. In other words, it's biblical and it's best. This is what is best for you. If you will do this in this challenging city, you will find your welfare. Now, I think a lot of times what we see in Scripture are all these really extreme situations about people being a very far from God like the Apostle Paul and becoming a, a, just a, a, an amazing, powerful Christian. Cities that are, are very far from God and being flipped upside down. Places like, like, like Israel being in Babylon in this horrific situation, these extreme circumstances so that we can say, yeah, Boston's challenging, but I, don't, I wouldn't say it's like exile per se, right? And if they can do this, we can certainly do this with the power of God. And so not unlike Israel and Babylon, this applies to you in Boston. How to make the city uh, your home. Let me, let me say that, that you can even have been born and raised in Boston and lived here for a long time, and according to the standards of the Bible, not really made this city your home the way God intends you to. So again, nobody is exempt from what we're looking at today. I just want to give you a few quick ways to make this city your home. Here, here's the first one. The first one is make an outpost. Make an outpost. If you look at verse 5, the first half, God says, build houses and live in them. For, for, for them, that meant don't think that you're just going to get out of here real quick. 
Don't think that you're just going to be in exile real quick and then you're out of, out of here immediately. In fact, they end up staying 70 years from 586 to 516 B.C. 70 years in exile. So he says, so settle in, folks. They, they thought they'd be there for just a brief moment. They were wrong. Likewise, in Boston, settle in. Like I've literally seen people in Boston move to Boston and refuse to hang pictures on the wall because they are so, I am not going to be here for very long. I'm just here for this program. I will not unpack my boxes. I am not going to be here for very long. They are so like, this is not, this is not home for me. Home is Texas forever, right? And so they're so committed to that that they won't even unpack their, their boxes. I'm going to get out of here where there's nicer people, there's cheaper housing, the weather is warmer. I'm not unpacking, right? Make your house a home and make an outpost of your, your place that you live. And I say outpost for a reason. Outpost means, uh, it, it's this military term that means create a place to settle and to settle temporarily, and I like the military term because, one, it reminds us that we're on a mission, right? It says God sent them. All of us as Christians are called to live sent lives, that we are here to, to be on the mission of God, to love and serve people and bring the message of hope to the, the, to the city. That's our, our, our mission. We are sent here. And then I also say outpost because, yes, we are to make Boston our home, but at the same time, remember that as followers of Christ, Boston is not our eternal home, right? Our, our home is Ultimately, long-term is heaven. Philippians chapter 3 says that we as followers of God are citizens of heaven. First Peter uh, says that we are aliens, strangers, or, or sojourners. And a sojourner is someone who is somewhere for a temporary time, meaning we're temporarily here, permanently in heaven. But again, the example of Jesus is while you're temporarily here, make it your home. And I'm hoping that this will give us a kind of a balanced perspective, this word outpost, because we are to make Boston our home, but we are also to be ever mindful of our eternal home so that we're not consumed with our house, we're not consumed with our car, we're not consumed with our stuff, we're not consumed with the pride of our neighborhood or of our team. We are consumed with the mission of Jesus to bring as many people to heaven with us as possible. Some people, on the other hand, are so heavenly minded, right, that they, all they, everything's the Lord and Jesus, 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 to the point that they can't have any kind of relevance or application to real life things here. And so they're so heavenly minded, I've heard it said that they're no earthly good, right? And, and we have to be balanced here that we are fixed on heaven. And yet while we're here making an impact in the place that we are in. And I'm telling you, when you do this and you really make your place an outpost, verse 7, you will find your welfare in doing this. Biblically, a home has many things that it, that it does. One, it's a place of refuge where people are refreshed. In Acts chapter 16, the church of Philippi is being born in the city of Philippi. And Lydia, this brand new Christian, refreshes believers in their home after literally they were beat. She brings them in and feeds them and cleans them up and, and lets them get refreshed. Home is also a place of training and discipleship. Parents, Deuteronomy 6, talks about how you are to use your home for discipleship. If, if you don't have kids yet... Uh, uh, and maybe you never will, but what, you need to use your home still as a place of training and discipleship. Your home is a great venue um, that, to, to get people together and to care for them. Uh, second, the thirdly, uh, home is a place of hospitality. As we read the scripture, think about all the meals that take place in, in homes in the scriptures. 
It's a place to, to host people and, and to, to care for people and to feed people. And then fourth thing is we see is home as a place of ministry. And, and not just ministry, let me say sacrificial ministry. Jesus' ministry headquarters in Capernaum, the home that I imagine he's probably even living at, is Peter's home. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law, by the way, side note, if the Pope is not supposed to be married and priests are not supposed to be married, well, Peter had a mother-in-law, so in order to have a mother-in-law, and they would say that he's the first Pope, just saying. Anyhow, so Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus heals her, and, and, and in this house, out of this house, ministry is taking place, right? And then you remember the story of the guys who wanted to get their paralyzed friend down to Jesus, so they climb up on the roof, Jesus is inside of the home, inside of the home. And suddenly a little light starts shining through the ceiling. These guys are on the roof of the home, digging a hole in the roof and ultimately drop their paralyzed friend down from the home or from the roof into the home. Now think about this. My mind goes to when I host things at my house on behalf of the church. And, you know, sometimes you guys leave and like we got a hole in the wall or some of our kids' Christmas presents last year got destroyed. I mean, things like this, right? Like, Peter's family, they got a hole in their roof, right? I mean, so your home is a, a place of sacrificial ministry. It's not convenient to have people over all the time, right? But if your home is a, a place of ministry, this is what happens. You make an outpost. You make a ministry hub of your home in the city. Okay, the next thing that you can do to make this city your home is you make provisions, now, I need to kind of clarify this a little bit. Make provisions. Uh, verse 5, uh, the second half, B now, uh, you've got to make provisions for your survival, that is. So the second half says plant gardens and eat their produce. And so now Jesus or God has said to the people of Israel, you're going to have to plant some gardens. You're going to have to get some food going and, and eat the produce there. This kind of provision is, is physical provision. Obviously, that should happen in your home. But I also need to mention and really want to focus us on spiritual provision. Spiritual provision. You need to make sure that while you're in this city, your soul is fed. That while you're in this city, you are cared for. In this city, you need a church. You need a church, a place to care for you. And we are happy, obviously, and eager to be that place for you. I want to encourage every college student. I want to encourage every young professional, every person who is new to this city to become a member of a local church. Commit. Most college students will bounce around. I'll try this one out for about a semester, and then I'll try this. Wherever my friends are going, that's where I'm going. You need to commit to a local church to, to become a member, to come up under the covering of their, their church family and their leadership who are called and tasked by God to keep watch for your soul as those who have to give an account, Hebrews chapter 13. This is for your good. You are making provisions for you to be cared for and to be fed. Become a formal member on a roster of a local church, college students. So important. Young professionals, so important. New to the city, so important. Make an outpost, make provisions, and then next, make spiritual family, which these kind of go hand in hand. But if you look at verse 6, if you look at verse 6, you see that the people are told to, to get married, to have kids, let your kids get married, and give your grandkids, have family. In order to survive in exile, you're going to need family. Likewise, in Boston, many of you, most of you, don't have literal family in this city. But create for yourself spiritual family. Go back to Mark chapter 1. That's exactly what Jesus did. 
He created for himself spiritual family. The first thing he does in, in, in chapter 1 is he starts to appoint his disciples when he comes out and begins his ministry. He starts to call disciples to, to follow him. He creates around him a band of brothers. And man, how amazing can spiritual family be? Yesterday, there was a number of us helping the, the Corey family move to their new place uh, across the way in the neighborhood. And they moved here from the UK last summer. And Kate had this really sweet moment yesterday where uh, she just said, hey guys, I'm just, I'm getting emotional thinking about how one year ago we moved here from the UK and my husband is lifting all this heavy stuff by himself and then looking around the room and seeing like a dozen people helping lift. That's the beauty of spiritual family. That's the beauty of spiritual family. But can I tell you something? You know how that happened? The way that happened is those two showed up and day one they jumped right in. And they said, I'm going to make family here. I'm going to build family here. You have to create family. It takes time to, to, to build family. Uh, here in, in, in Jeremiah 29, it's a generational thing. You have to build that up. You can't just show up every now and again and hope that there's, there's family that just starts to take place. You have to invest your life in people like they did so well. That's, that's how we do this. I want to encourage you to get plugged into a connection group this semester. We have these connection groups. The idea is to help you get connected to Christ and his people in deep and meaningful ways. I, I'm telling you, you're probably not going to show up day one and leave and be like, wow, robust family, just immediately. Maybe, sometimes. You have to build that. That takes time to build. It takes time to build. Everybody, we're all socially awkward. Anybody socially awkward? I know I, I'm horrifically socially awkward, right? You have to, you have to build that. Those are going to launch in a couple weeks. We're excited. We got three new ones. We got one in Dorchester coming. We got one in Norwood coming. And we got one in Watertown coming along with Parkway Boston. So these things are expanding. Really excited. If you want to be a part of one, the connection card, just check the, check the line there that says connection groups. And we'll get you information about that. So, so get connected. Build for yourself spiritual family. And then now this starts to begin to feel like home because you do have family here. You do have people to help you move. You do have people to call upon when you're struggling, when you're having a bad day, when you're anxious, when you need help, when you've got a family crisis. Spiritual family. So make an outpost, make provision, make spiritual family. And here's the last one. Make a mark. Make a mark. One of my favorite moments in the TV show The Office, which is a classic, by the way, is the morning that the boss, Michael Scott, shows up and he comes in rushing in. Hurry, guys, 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 there's wet cement outside. And he's psyched because there's wet cement. He goes, I need your ideas. Give me some ideas of what I can do. And, and then ultimately what happens is uh, one of his coworkers, Jim, says, we could do like a spin off of the Hollywood Walk of Fame where you put your hands in. And you could put your face in the wet cement. And he thinks it's a brilliant idea. And so he wraps his face in saran wrap and has a little straw so he can breathe. And he presses his face in the wet cement. Michael Scott made his mark, right? Now, I don't need you to make that kind of mark in Boston. That's not what we're talking about, like a physical mark per se. Maybe you could, you know, I don't know, make a mark somehow in this city. Some of you architects building things and whatnot. But, but God has said it twice in this passage. He has said, I sent you. I sent you at the beginning and at the end. I sent you to do what? I sent you to seek the welfare of the city, Seek the welfare of the city, to bless this city, to make an impact on this city. What is the motto when you go camping? You camp and then you leave 
no trace. That's not, what we, that's not what we want in this city. We want to be here, whether for a season or a lifetime, and we want to leave a trace. We don't want to be the people who, when we go back home to wherever we're going back home to, that the city is no different for us having been here. I want to encourage you, how, how are you going to make an impact on this city? Very carefully and prayerfully ask God, God, how can you through me make an impact on this city? Might I suggest if you've never jumped onto a reach team at the church to jump onto a reach team this year. We need you. We need you to make an impact in the city with us. And God is excited to use you and invite you in on what he's doing here. We have college students. We have grad students who lead worship, who help with River Kids, who come early and, and set up this place, who go serve and, and share Jesus at local apartment complexes. And they're saying, I'm committed to make a mark. And I want to call all of us to make a mark on this city, whether we're here for a season or for a lifetime. Make a mark. Again, connection card. If you're interested, just write Reach Team. We'll get you what you need to know so you can jump on a team and help us in a formalized way to make a mark on this city. Now, I want to, again, I want to take a moment to acknowledge someone. Again, today is the last Sunday for my man, Paul Haynes. Where's Paul at? Paul, we love you, man. So grateful for, for Paul. He's moving back to California uh, and so sad about that, but, but excited for you. Going to bless you, man. Uh, he gave his life to Christ since he moved into the city a handful of years ago. So that, how amazing is that, right? That's so cool. Gave his life to Christ. My man Davis Murphy, Kevin Mirando, discipled him. Paul started to serve on our setup team here to turn this physical structure into a, a churchy kind of place, Right? And then he became the leader of the setup team in time through faithfulness. He's just been unbelievably faithful. He is a guy who said, I'm going to seek the welfare of the city. Just here for a handful of years, but he has sought the welfare of the city. He has made his mark on the city. He has made his mark on people's lives. And Paul, we're, we're thankful. We're deeply grateful for you, man. Make sure to give him a hug on your way out. Verse 7 we're to seek the welfare of the city. And it says, here's what we do. We pray to the Lord on its behalf. If you want to know how to make yourself have a heart for Boston, if home is where the heart is, here's how you have a heart for Boston. Here's where you start. You start by prayer. You pray to the Lord on behalf of your city. Every morning when I come into the office, I get the privilege of cresting Metropolitan Hill back here. And you know, right by Burger King there, you come up over that hill and boom, the skyline. I had my kids driving there with me the other day and my oldest goes, wow, that's, that's a nice view. I'm like, that's my office right there, but that's, that's an incredible view. It's to be reminded every day that I come into the office, that's the city we're praying for. And I pray right there on the spot. Pray for this city. God, give me a heart for this city. That this city might be home and home is where the heart is. That I might love it and serve it and make an impact here. Listen, will you make Boston your home? Will you take steps to, to make Boston your home? Not because Boston's just so awesome and it, it, you know, it's make it your home because of the goodness of Boston, but would you make it home because of the goodness of God? God has been so good to us. The message of the gospel, good news, is the fact that God came and made earth his home. That God became a man, Jesus from Nazareth. And he lived in our shoes and, and went through all the craziness that we went through. But 
He lived it perfectly and without sin. And the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is death, and that's what's coming. And he never sinned, and yet he died. He took the wage that he didn't have to, to take, and he did it for you and for me. God made this place his home, and he served sacrificially to the point of death, even death on a cross. God's been so good to you. Would you make this city home and share that message with other people and serve people really well? If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want you to hear that message of home and first let your mind go to God has made this place his home. God has loved me so much that he would die for me. And I would invite you to receive the gift of a forgiveness of sin that comes through Jesus. Wherever you're at, you need to receive the fact that God has made the earth his home for you, or you need to make this city your home for other people. Wherever you're at, I want to invite you to respond however God's working in your heart this morning. And I pray that as we all lock arms as people who are, yes, ultimately we are just sojourners here. We are residents and citizens of heaven. But I want to invite you today to begin to pray, God, would you make this place home? Would you give me a heart and a vision for this city that I might impact this city? God, may, may you allow me to see other people join the, the mission and the work with me as I invite friends back next week for the kickoff, as I, I love my neighbors and my coworkers and my doormates and my classmates and my teammates well this year. God, would you do something powerful in me? But it starts with you making this place your home and investing your, your life into what is most important. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven.